0: Frankie didn't start reading until she was nine years old. She taught herself how to read and we got a lot of flack from a lot of people because they said that she was behind and she taught herself how to read and now she is the as soon as she taught herself how to read the fall that the following year she had read 120 different novels, 120 because she wanted to learn how to read.
1: up my friend and welcome to the dango show i'm your host dango coach to high performing entrepreneurs and professionals and what we do at the dango show is tease out the best practices of the highest performing entrepreneurs in the world while sharing cutting-edge evidence-based information to help you become healthier and wealthier so if that's what you're into you're in the right place click that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts so every time one of my episodes goes live you'll be the first to know what is up? And welcome to the podcast. And in this podcast, uh, I have my friend, I have entrepreneur, uh, I have a parent. I have he's this guy is uh, is basically who I would consider to be one of the best examples of owning a successful business, having a, a healthy body to go along with that, healthy habits, and also being an incredible parent. And because of how we are kind of raising our child right now. I've had a lot of uh, questions about uh, parenting. I've had a lot of questions about schooling in particular, uh, things like homeschooling, hybrid schooling, things like traditional schooling. So uh, the thing with like uh, my friend, his name is Chris Lopez. I wanted to actually get him onto a call just to ask him about uh, parenting tips and just uh, you know, kind of like his best practices. And I thought, what better way to extract all the knowledge and wisdom that he has about parenting uh if I were to do a podcast around it so with Chris Lopez he is an online entrepreneur he runs kettlebellworkouts.com he uh he's at chrislopez.io and again like i said he has homeschooled his children before homeschooling became a thing literally more than twenty years ago he started homeschooling his children. He did it out of uh, out of almost like a selfish reason because he had an online business and they wanted to travel. but then he realized that uh, there were some uh, added benefits or actually not just added benefits but major benefits that came along with uh, having a peer or or actually having an adult orientation to his kids rather than having them having a peer orientation so anyways, we talk a lot about that. We talk about the principles of parenting we talk about. Uh, follow through. We talk about integrity as a parent and why you need to follow through on the things that you need to say. And uh, and we also get into a lot of other things, all things parenting and a little bit of homeschooling at that. So hope you enjoy this uh, podcast I did with Chris. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it, it was basically just talking to my good friend who I know is a successful entrepreneur and also a great parent and just extracting all of the Uh, all the lessons that he's learned over the past uh, 24 years. So hope you enjoy it. What's up, Chris? Welcome to the podcast, brother.
0: How's it going, brother? Long time.
1: It's been a long time. Um, So for anyone listening, Chris and I have been friends for almost like a decade and a half. I would say like a decade and a half, a pretty damn long time. And I, I told you before we got on this podcast that I look up to you as definitely one of like the best parents that or the best example of parents that I know of. And, um, you were one of the first, you and Roz, your wife were one of the first people. Actually, you were the first people that I knew (laughs) (laughs) that homeschooled their children. This was at a time probably 18 years ago when it wasn't even a thing whatsoever. So, okay. Uh, I know a lot about you, but probably people listening to this may not know that much. So, can you run us down uh, pretty much like your background and your history?
0: Um, okay. Uh, sorry, <laughs> let me just uh, – we don't like that. Um, background and history. Okay. So, uh, I'm from Toronto originally. Uh, that's how you and I know each other. Yeah. Um, I started in the fitness industry, kind of still am in the fitness industry, and uh, always was – when I first started personal training, I was training trading dollars for hours. And I, uh, I met a mentor who helped me transition to things online. So I started an online business. Um, and now I know that sounds a lot like the stories that you'll hear these days. But this was way back in 2008. Like I started my first website in 2008 and got into online fitness marketing uh, way back then. With a bunch of other Canadian guys, ironically enough. Um, and so... I started that and then started transitioning going online as opposed to um, working as a personal trainer and came about a website called kettlebellworkouts.com that I went into partnership with, with one of my mentors. And then I ended up buying him out outright, um, with that website. So I kind of grew my online following through that domain name and through that website got very popular. And, um, when the income started to overtake the online income started to overtake the personal training income, I just switched online full time. And then in the midst of that, um, my wife and I had, so we were really young when we had our first daughter. I was 21 and my wife was 20. Um, and so we've been parents for a very long time. And then, five years after our daughter was born, uh, we had another daughter. And two years after that, we had another daughter. And then two years after that, we had another daughter. And then two years after that, we had a son. So all in all, we have five kids, all mine and all hers. And I developed a persona online because I I took the personal experience um, angle very seriously in my writing, in my email writing, I still do everything through email. And I talked a lot about uh, what was going on in my family life. And then I kind of tied it into men's health and, and how that would relate to to people. And within that, I started noticing that guys gentlemen in general would like start asking about like for fatherhood advice or for, you know, how do you handle this with, with kids or you're not sleeping. So what do you do? And so I started another website called the alpha debt project. And I built things off of that as well. And that's kind of like been my online persona and, in the midst of all of this. um, So my wife and I are very contrarian. We're both the, the children, first generation Canadian children of immigrants and Mm. our parents immigrated here in the, in the seventies. Well, my parents in the seventies, I think her parents like in the early eighties or whatever. And so it was always thought that we would take the traditional route towards, um, towards doing things. You know, you get a job with benefits, put the kids in school system and, to do, uh, do all of the things that, you know, the, you li- live the North American dream or the American dream or the Canadian dream. We're Canadian, so we can say Canadian dream. But um, from as long as I can remember, um, I've had, I don't want to say I ha- I've had issues with authority, but <laughs> I didn't really like people telling me what to do. So I started my own business. And my parents really couldn't, you know, wrap their heads around that. But that's kind of how my entrepreneurial journey started. And so I was doing that online and because, you know, my wife is, you know, pretty very contrarian as well. We started to realize that the online business could lead to different things, could lead to different experiences, could lead to potentially us traveling and experiencing the world and we really wanted that for our kids. So we decided to homeschool. And that was back in 2000 and I want to say around the same time, around 2008, 2000, between 2008 and 2010, we pulled our kids out of school and started homeschooling them. Now, at the time, our oldest daughter was, we pulled her out of sixth grade and started homeschooling her. And then she wanted to go back to high school and then she went, so she did a semester, she she got accepted to some athletic program at high school and she was an athlete um, when she was younger still is. Mm -hmm. But, um, but then we decided to pull her out of high school as well. And the meanwhile, all the other kids had like our youngest two, Mikey and Q, our youngest daughter and and our son, they've never seen the inside of a traditional classroom before. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, Frankie, the one older than Mikey, who's our number three, she was in kindergarten before we pulled her out. And then Joey was in the second grade or first grade when we pulled her out, we all pulled them out all around the same time. And
1: now, did you pull yeah. them out because you're, because like you were wanting to travel uh, or did you pull them out because of other reasons, like uh, what you were seeing like the traditional schooling system?
0: Initially? No, no. I mean, we, we wanted to travel. Um, it was also that, I mean, it was completely selfish as well because mm-hmm. the commute was crazy. We were living in one side of the one side of the city and um, we had just moved and our kids were going to school on another side of the city in an old neighborhood. And, you know, the transition, especially for AJ was, was, you know, it's difficult when you move schools and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So we wanted to be able to finish the year and, but the commute was way too long, you know, Toronto traffic. So it was, mm-hmm. it was not, a, so initially it was that, but then we thought about, you know, the big picture. Um, and then Roseanne, my wife, who's really the brains behind this operation um, is brilliant and started to read a lot of books on holding on to your kids and homeschooling and, and being the primary influence in their lives and about, you know, the, the negative sides to peer orientation Mm. and and things like that. And, and a light bulb kind of turned on with her and she really took the lead when it came to homeschooling and all of that. And because I was the one supporting the family, like from a financial standpoint, um, you know, I had her back and, and we were doing well enough that she didn't need to work. So it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, pull the kids out and let's see where this goes. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, it's still an ongoing joke in our family that AJ went to the university of Barcelona without a high school diploma. <laughs> it's pretty funny.
1: Yeah. Can you, can you go into the ideas of peer orientation and adult orientation? Like what, because a lot of people hear this and they're like, uh, what is this guy talking about? Now, I'm in the process of reading Hold On To Your Kids by Gordon Neufeld and Gabor yep. Mate. It's completely changed the way that I see parenting. Um, so completely... that was the
0: very first book. That was wow. the book that, that Roseanne picked up, wow. whatever, 15 years ago, 17 years ago. And then I read it. Um, yeah. You should a... read a lot from John Taylor Gatto as well. Okay. Uh, I think go- Guerrilla Learning is is one
1: of his and uh, yeah, yeah, definitely got it. Yeah. I'll, uh, I will, we'll get a list of books and I'm going to put it on the show notes uh, after here. But uh, what have you learned from say the peer and adult orientation that, that kids usually uh, gravitate to? I I know this decision was like, you know, you know, you want, you are actually doing selfishly, but it actually turned out to be almost like a blessing in disguise to, to do this in the way that you guys did. So, so what is peer orientation and what is adult orientation?
0: Well, uh, peer orientation is essentially doing what your friends think or following the crowd as far as like, if I'm going to like really drill it down to it, to its essence, it's like, it, it, it's your peers are your, the primary influence in your life, mm. in your life. And therefore you do everything to try to impress them or to try to stay with the crowd. Whereas adult orientation or, um, I guess it, in the end, Roseanne and I wanted to be the primary influences in our kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very difficult, I think, for kids these days when they are oriented and and they're too concerned about fitting in. And so we didn't want that for our kids. And when it came to homeschooling and, and to putting them in traditional school, we want, what we wanted for them was for them to feel as comfortable with who they are in their own skin, so to speak. And that's the primary reason why we pull them out, because in order for them to know themselves, they mm-hmm. can't be influenced or oriented towards what everybody else is doing or whatever the herd is doing. And so it's it, you know it's always the the big argument with that kind of stuff with peer orientation and with homeschooling in general is like, what about socialization?
1: Yeah, but yeah. if you
0: th- if you think about socialization, as they say, socialization is in a school setting, like never in any instance in the history of the world, are you ever in a situation with people that are the same age under the influence of one authority figure with kids that are of the same socioeconomic background uh, that probably have the same life experiences that are from the same neighbor. Like it's very different, right? Like you, you take, for example, like our relationship like you and i are what two or three years apart like Mm -hmm. i'm two or three years older than you we have friends that are 10 years older than us and friends that are 10 years younger than us and in the in the quote-unquote real world or if you go into the workforce you're sometimes you'll have a boss that's you know younger than you you'll be working with a 60 year old you'll be working with people of various backgrounds and stuff like that which is what real socialization is it isn't Everybody having the same experience, you know, doing the same thing, having the same stuff, like all the time. And so when it came to socialization, what we really wanted our kids to be able to do was to be able to talk to adults appropriately or to be able to have a conversation with adults, a mature conversation with adults. And I mean, the number one thing generally was just to be comfortable in their own skin Mm -hmm. and being around people of the same age all the time for whatever 6 or 8 hours a day was it that that wasn't the road towards being able to do that
1: yeah and there's also the idea that when a child is attached more so to his his or her parents that is where that is actually a form of security for them where they where they're not necessarily trying to fit in with other people when they're attached to the parents they actually are trying to they actually have more security to be themselves uh at least like what the parents like promote in the first place that's one of the things that's like pushing myself and Linda right now uh towards either like a homeschooling or like a hybrid or pod schooling type of uh aspect because you know hey if I can provide for my family and I can have Linda um you know be there for the kids and I can be there and I can set up my schedule, which which I'm gonna to talk to you about because I know that you have like a I know you have like a ridiculous like sleep wake schedule which, which we're gonna talk about in the second, but <laughs> um you know if we can actually do this and have the kids be around their parents as much as humanly possible, I do believe that actually creates more confident kids. Now A lot of people that I talk to because of the whole like socialization thing, they're all like, well, you know, homeschool kids are weird and all this, you know, and, and so that I say is like, dude, I've met your, your children. They are like the most respectful, happiest, like confident kids I have ever met. Like, yeah, especially just like meeting them. It's like, you're just so surprised by how just like, uh, I guess you could say comfortable that they are in their skin. Now, how do you do you find like there's a difference between, say, kids who are homeschooled and, and kids who, say, go to traditional school in terms of just like temperament behavior? Uh, I know that you can only speak from your experience, but obviously you've experienced other families as well.
0: Well, we have a lot of homeschooling friends. I mean, we, it was it was difficult for us moving to Costa Rica because we left a really good community of, homeschool, like, of homeschoolers here. But. In, like generally speaking, I find that homeschool kids are, yeah, like it's like what you said—they are—they're comfortable in their own skin in the sense that, like, I'll give you—I'll give you a great example. Whenever I interact with a homeschooling kid, I get eye contact, and that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things for me in terms of personal interaction when I when I talk to kids. And I and I coach kids of you know different ages and different backgrounds and stuff like that. But the one thing that I've noticed as far as the, the difference between kids that are home... And this is a this is a generalization, but it's... Right. And this is not a, it's not a blanket rule. But I noticed that homeschooling kids, they know how to speak to people. They know how to speak to adults or people that are older than them. Um, and the idea behind that is just like all through eye contact. Like, I, I, I speak to a lot of kids that go to traditional schools, and it's very difficult. And they, they kind of look down at their shoes, and they say, nice to meet you, or... You know, like, if somebody comes to your house, it's always tradition to, to say hello to the person that owns the house and say, you know, how are you this afternoon and everything. And I've found that kids that are traditionally schooled, and again, it's a general, it's a generalization, for but sure,
1: for sure. it's it's
0: difficult for them to be able to do that. But, but, like, there's a general lack in terms of, like, manners or in terms of um, socialization, social skills, yeah. I
1: guess. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's it. and. If there's one big learning difference, I mean, I, I would say that's it. It's just the general how they socialize, especially now after a pandemic where everybody has been affected socially in some way because of lockdowns and because of not seeing people and talking to people on a screen instead of seeing people face to face. Like, I, I, you know, it, it, it's been really magnified, I think. But I mean, if I were to generalize it, that, that's what I see. But yeah. I find that homeschool kids are like, they're, they're a lot more confident and they're a little bit more sure of who they are.
1: Yeah. I find that uh I mean we can relate back to our own experiences with uh, going to traditional school as well. Uh looking back at our own behavior and looking back at the way we interacted with parents, looking back at the fact that uh at least from my perspective when I when I got to about 13, 14, 15, 16 like in my teens I actually from my teens to like my 20s and 30s I wanted nothing to do with my family whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Right? I just wanted every I just wanted to be around my friends the entire time. Back then I thought it was a normal thing and everyone says that's normal, you know, because like, you know, kids want to be with their friends and whatnot. And what I'm learning more about parenting is that that is not normal. That that's actually abnormal from a let's just say like a traditional perspective of like, you know, how kids used to be like a hundred thousand years ago. Right. And, and, and I get it because it's just like, Hey, when you have like the attachment to your parents and you have the love of your parents, the unconditional love, then that comes out. You're, you're not trying to show out in front of other people because you don't need to whatsoever. So, you know, I do feel like a lot of people, it comes to mind that a lot of people sometimes like, they, they go into their own traumas or they're reacting to their own traumas as a result of the lack of attachment that they had to their parental figures and the fact that they were kind of like peer-oriented uh, as a result of like traditional schooling and being away from their parents for so long.
0: Well, I think, I, and I've, you know, I've said this I've been saying this for like the past decade or even more, that success in parenting is one of those big picture things that you never really see the result until they're a lot older. And so, for me, success, as far as being a parent is concerned, is when your kids want to hang out with you when they don't have to anymore. And we see that with like our oldest, or even even Joey, who's nineteen now. Like she wants to hang out with us. She wants to talk to us. Like AJ's in Milan right now, um, doing uh, um, you know, doing some fashion design stuff, and she talks to us like at least two or three times a week and we have a family group chat where she's always checking in and we're, and it's like, it's like cool. Like the seven of us are really close and our kids actually want to be with us and, and talk to us about stuff. So, I mean, and, and for me, that's the best feeling in the world because it, both Roseanne and I can see like we put in the work and we, we set boundaries and, and as much as they were attached to us, we, you know, we were still the parents. And so our, our job was to make sure that they were, you know, good functioning human beings and contributors to society. And, you know, we can really see that now, especially with our oldest who's 24.
1: Nice. And then uh, you, you talked about kind of like one aspect of success, which is our parental success, which is the kids that want to hang around, you even though they don't have to, w- what would you consider to be uh, other signals of success when it comes to parenting uh, that people should look out for? Uh, and then my follow-up question to that is, going to be what are some signals that uh, you your bond is kind of like on the shaky on the shaky side of things
0: um so we've always encouraged our kids to come to us and talk to us and if there's one thing that we frowned upon like we've always told our kids you can tell us anything don't let us catch you in a lie Mm -hmm. because that is the worst thing that could happen and so I mean, with my daughters, and we don't see it so much with my son because he's 12 and you know he's still coming into his own and everything. But my daughters tell my wife everything, almost to a fault. <laughs> so Roseanne, my wife, knows a lot of stuff, uh, stuff that she wishes that she didn't know, that she doesn't have to tell me about, which she hasn't, that I don't need to know about either. But I know that my daughters... <laughs> AJ especially talks to my wife and there's like this big open and honest relationship. So there's this, this comfort there. And it's not so much like, I don't believe that parents should be their kids' best friends, mm. especially in those um, developmental ages. Like I, like I don't want to be Q's best friend. I don't want to be my daughter's best friend. My job is to, again, mm. is to be able to create this functional contributing human being and in order for me to do that as a parent in order for Roseanne to do that as a mom we have to set boundaries we have to say no we have more life experience so we are the ones that are dictating whether or not what you're doing is right and we have like we'll call you out on your bullshit later on in life now that age is 24 yeah sure we can be friends like because we've laid that foundation and that groundwork but um like right now as far as success is concerned like i I think as parents like you really need to to set boundaries and understand your role you should not by any means try to be your like you still have to hold a line as mm-hmm. a parent and i think success as a parent is going to be determined whether or not you are able to set boundaries and hold the line as far as what's right and what's wrong because when you get into a situation where the kids are kind of dictating you know their their decisions or when you ask them their opinion too much when you have you've acquired all of this life experience and you have the tools and the capability to be able to guide them but then you kind of let them fend for themselves because you're too concerned about what they're going to think or you're too concerned about wanting them to like you Mm -hmm. i think that's where you run into a slippery
1: slope how do you uh how do you discipline and how do you set these boundaries? Cause obviously kids aren't perfect. They're kind of trying their to find their way in this world. And you know, there are going to be some times where they're going to be doing things that are outside of what uh, you would consider to be a good behavior. So what are kind of some principles of uh, say boundaries and disciplining that you would use in regards to uh, you know, just reining in your kids a little bit?
0: I think the only rule that there is, is follow through. Hmm integrity say and do so if i say no and you do something there has to be a consequence to that and i think too many parents don't don't do the follow-through you know like you ever see the parents that do the countdown like i'm gonna count to five (laughs) and if you're not done like or if you don't stop this behavior then and they get to like 20 they're Hmm. counting to 20 now when it was supposed to be to five and nothing's happening right like there's no integrity there like you have to You have to have the balls to follow through. Like you've got to be able to, and this is what I mean by setting the line and setting the boundary. Like a lot of, a lot of your problems will be solved when you don't have a problem saying no, like saying no to things. And my wife and I always talk about this. No is a complete sentence. Like there is no why, like I I'm the parent here. I don't need to tell you why the answer is no. And that's it. Um, yeah. And then if, if they don't do what it is that they say that they're going to do, or if you don't, if, if they don't stop a specific behavior, there's got to be a consequence. There has to be follow through because within that, then you're respected more and they understand that there are
1: boundaries. What kind of consequences are we talking about? Because there's obviously like this, uh, this balance between, um, wanting to let them know, let the kid know that un- they're unconditionally loved. And then there's also the consequences to the actions that they have. So what are some ideas of consequences that you would use in order to one, just like keep maintaining the relationship that you have with this kid, the attachment that you have, and, and also just to correct behavior at the same time.
0: I think it's just taking away like rewards, like take stuff yeah. away that's important to them. Like yeah. we've taken phones away before. Um, Albeit most of our kids, like nobody really got a phone until they were about 14. Mm. Um, so, but we've had to take that away. Like if we see that they're kind of addicted to it or we don't like the behavior that's happening, then we'll do that. Mm. We've taken away extracurricular activities. Like my kids are very heavily involved in sports. And so there are times when they haven't completed something like a homework assignment or something like that, where we've taken practice away, or we've taken mm. the tournament away. We took, I remember this, we took a trip away. So we had booked a trip. It was a family surfing trip and it was okay. So this was a situation. It was a, it was a family (laughs) surfing trip. We were already living in Costa Rica, but um, there was a, there was like a surf resort on the, on the Pacific side that we had gone to before. And um, I made friends with the owner and he had said, you know, we have a last minute cancellation. Would you and your family like to come? We'll do it for a really good price. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, let's do it. And the kids were not supposed to be on their devices or their ipad um during the day and it just so happened that one of the neighbors had seen whatever the three of them or the four of them um you know like watching a movie or something while my wife and i weren't there Mm. and we had found out Mm. and so we asked them we confronted them about it and then they lied and they said no 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 no. we were not we we were not we don't know and then we (laughs) brought up the the um the neighbor saying that and everything and then they they're basically all caught and we were yeah. all hyping up this trip and getting ready to go and everything and then we pulled the plug on it
1: whoa and then they must and have been was it. like
0: no it was <laughs> because yeah they were they were looking forward to the. i was looking forward to the yeah, trip. me
1: too <laughs> like i would be looking forward to that i was totally looking forward to it because yeah. like
0: yeah because and so yeah. So we followed through with a consequence and we took that away. And it, mm. I honestly think it may have pained me more than them, mm. but I know that they were looking and they love our family trips. They love our family vacations. Like we, when, whenever we do stuff like that, like, like I said, like the seven of us, when we spend time together, it's, it's amazing. We always have a good experience, but yeah. we had to really follow through with, with doing that. I think at the end, it's just follow through, man. Yeah. Like it's, it's living with integrity. Say you're going to do something and you do with it. You yeah, do it.
1: Because if you don't do it, then you become a pushover. And then basically they know that your the lines that you set or the walls that you're or you know, let's just say the lines you set, they can be stepped on and crushed and they they you don't have any integrity or even have any kind of backbone towards that but that that's it. and
0: and subconsciously I think that builds like a, that that builds a distrustful relationship mm, because yeah. you say that you're gonna do something and then you don't follow through, and then they can't like the subconsciously they're not really going to trust you anymore. Right. So you have like that follow through is really good. Like if you don't, if you don't have the stones to follow through, then it might be even better just not to say anything Mm -hmm. about
1: it. Mm -hmm. So uh, you mentioned the iPad thing and the device thing. And obviously now, you know, we're living in the day and age where devices are just rampant and, uh, they can also be, uh, you know, if you're on it way too much, especially as a kid, they can be detrimental. It can actually change your brain. It could change kind of like the way in which you respond to even just like dopamine. What are some, uh, boundaries that you have around devices, uh, that you uphold with, uh, your children?
0: Well, I mean, as I said, um, Nobody has received an iPod or like any type of a device until they were twelve, mm. at least twelve. So Q just got his first. Um, he has a he has a hand me down iPod
1: Touch, and <laughs> an iPod that from Touch his, like the the, yeah. the circle thing. Like, yep. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, it's the iPod. I think, I think the new iPod Touch
1: kind of okay. looks it functions okay. like an
0: iPhone. Like you okay. can get it online, but yeah, gotcha. But he just got that like just before we got, we came back to Toronto. And okay. so he's 12. And um, so as far as boundaries are concerned, I think, I think one of the first things is if your kids are young enough and you can keep them off the devices, then um, try to keep them off it as as, as long as you possibly can. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and Cal Newport wrote in his, I think it was deep work that he wrote where, um, you know, it, 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 the, the, where he, he debunked the argument that they'll get left behind. I mean, these devices are such that they're so user-intuitive that somebody can learn how to use it in about 10 minutes. So your kids aren't going to get left behind by using that. But what it does to your brain chemistry and what it does to you psychologically cannot be refuted. So we try we to keep them off as long as we can so that there is no addiction there and so that they're not hooked onto the
1: screen. What does that look like? Do you say like, okay, well, when you wake up to the time that you get to dinner you have like one hour of screen time kind of thing like where do these like rules and boundaries get erected well
0: so we don't we don't let anybody go to bed with their phones like Mm -hmm. we all keep our phones downstairs and we can keep them plugged in and charged and we all have alarm clocks like real old school alarm (laughs) clocks um to to be able to wake up um we uh nobody can use their phone so we, Rosanne and I have a really good morning routine whereby we start, like you know, we start journaling. We, we've been doing morning pages for you know a little bit over a decade now, and the kids have gotten into journaling as well. So, before they even pick up a phone, we always make sure that, like, we always say, you know, we when they wake up, they come downstairs and we spend some time as a family. Uh, our oldest now, are, uh, yeah, are a few of our older ones, they all take out journals and they do some writing and they do some reading and stuff like that. And then after that, uh, they're allowed to you know, use their phones. But I, we've made it in such a way that the phones and the devices are tools mm. and not so much like a dependency or like a best friend that they have to be on all the time or like a source of entertainment. Um, when we watch movies, we'll watch as a family apart, like, and we, we use it, we use them as tools as well. So I guess in the end, it's just setting the boundaries that they can only use their phones during the daytime hours. Um, Mm -hmm. we don't really put hard limits on how often they are on their phones, but you know, if you see our kids around the house and everything, um, we're a very active family. So they're always exercising or doing something. They're reading books. They're not by any means like addicted, um, just this past October or this past Christmas, we got Q and Nintendo switch. Um, So that's the first time that he's been introduced to any type of video games and stuff like that. But he's, he's only allowed to use that on the weekends Mm. um, and after he's done his homework. So we just have hard boundaries and we know that like, and and because of all the, the, because we follow through and our kids have known that, and that's been ingrained in them since they were little, they know that there'll be consequences if they don't stick to the, to the rules behind it or the guidelines behind it. Gotcha, so
1: gotcha.
0: yeah, but I, I think the main thing is just like not using them at night and not endlessly scrolling on, on them um, in off hours.
1: Yeah. Do they, or do they have like social media uh, accounts or anything like that? I know probably AJ does. Uh, uh, your oldest does most likely. I'm just guessing, but uh, do, do they have social media accounts? Do they go on social a lot? Uh, do you find uh you know, uh, do you find them going on there? Like, uh, quite a bit.
0: So Q the
1: youngest does not,
0: yeah. um, we started like an Instagram account for him because he he's really into art and, and drawing and stuff like that. So we started one, but he hasn't been using it. Uh, he kind of forgot about it. Mm. Uh, Mikey has one, but she has one for uh, volleyball recruiting. So mm. she posts all her game footage and highlight videos and all of that. So she's, she's got her own social media account. Frankie has one, but she's never on it. Like if you look at the posting like when she's on it and stuff like that and I heard, Frankie's a big reader. Like she's a voracious reader. So mm-hmm. she's always got a book. She's not really on social at all. Joey has has an Instagram account, but she's not really, she doesn't really use it either. Um, she's big into like, she's, she's like our little hippie. Like she's into like other stuff. So I never see her on social and AJ has one for her business. Yeah. Um, and that's really all I see AJ doing. And she's taking a course right now in Milan and she's like every, whenever she was in, and we don't have internet in Costa Rica, like yeah. at our house in in Costa Rica. So it was what? impossible for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ongoing joke still amongst. Uh, I, I can't, everyone. I can't
1: live with you when I go to Costa Rica. I just can't. It's like, or maybe I should, because that'll just like completely like black me out from, from the outside world, which, which may be a good thing for me.
0: But that's really helped. I mean, it's yeah. helped with the whole social media thing because I mean, we, So the area that we live in, they have internet, but it hasn't gone into the little community that we are. And we Mm. built completely off-grid, so it's been difficult to get. Now, we're in the process of getting it now. Like, we've started some construction to be able to lay the the piping down so that we can get the cables in and all of that. But as of this day, we've been living in Costa Rica for seven years. We haven't had internet at home.
1: Can't you get, like, Starlink? Does Starlink work work up there at all? So I, I've i applied
0: to Starlink, but yeah. they said it's like April 2023 when it's coming. So. Okay,
1: gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, us uh, yeah. let's, let's take it back to the whole uh, morning routine because the last time I remember, <laughs> um, you know, just to give context to anyone that's listening. So number one, Chris runs a successful online business uh, and he also keeps his ass in shape, like in tip-top freaking shape. He has a family of basically is he's part of a family of seven. So he has all those responsibilities. And also he's very like involved in his children's lives from the sporting events that they do to all the extracurriculars. So the last time that I talked to you, you had this like ridiculous work schedule, which, which was uh, the part of like this podcast that you did with uh, our, our good old friend, uh, Dave rule as well, which is called done by noon. And uh, can you tell us like, okay, so, actually tell us what your schedule is because it may have changed from the last time that uh, that we talked about it before
0: um, okay so when we're at home in Costa Rica like I'm in I'm in Toronto right now we still yeah. get up pretty early but uh, I wake <laughs> my alarm is set for 423 a.m <laughs> and why 423
1: what what is that? I
0: grew up liking Michael Jordan. So <laughs> 23 is just like, it's just the number It's 423.
1: Okay. okay.
0: Yeah. So uh, I get up at 423 in the morning and I will go downstairs, make coffee. I, while the coffees, the whole coffee thing's going, I'll meditate. And after meditation, I'll write. I used to do, I used to try to do like the whole morning pages thing, mm-hmm. you know, where you write, you write three pages, like longhand. Seems like a I lot. just do a, yeah. It is a lot, yeah, and it's painful. It was yeah. really painful for me. So, um now what I do is, so after I meditate, I will read for thirty minutes and then I'll get right to work. Mm. And I you know it, it's part of that whole Brian Tracy eat that frog thing, right? Yeah, so I just I, whatever the number one task is that I want to get done, I get that done. And usually that's like sending an email to my list or writing some content or whatever. Remember, we don't have any internet, so mm-hmm. I, I pull my laptop out, and then uh, I'll bang out an article, or I'll take care of something that I need to take care of. Mm-hmm. And then um, from there, I will write a page in my journal, and it's just like, it's gratitude, or what, what's on my mind, or whatever, and then I'll work out. Mm-hmm. And uh, working out is that, like, that happens at about 6 a.m. Whoa. Yeah, like 6, 6.30. Um, and I still, because we're in, I, I, I just bought a squat rack. So we have a squat rack at home and, um, barbell and stuff like that. But before it was just like strictly kettlebell stuff. It was just the only kettlebell stuff. And my, the programs, that the stuff that I do is very minimalist. It's like one bang for your buck exercise. I'll get it done. And then, um, yeah. And then I go about my day. So after I exercise, my wife and I go out for our walk, we have two dogs. We've got a German Shepherd and a Rottweiler. And so we take the dogs for a walk in the morning. And then we'll come back and then we'll start our day. So that usually means breakfast with the kids or I'll make breakfast. And then I will head down into town because I have an office in town that, that I rent. And like a private office. So then I'll go down there and then I'll upload any articles or any video or any content that I need to upload. And my, my assistant will take care of the distribution of that. And then I'll do my phone calls and stuff like that. And I basically so that's around nine a.m. and then I basically wrap my day up around one thirty. Mm-hmm. I'll have lunch and then I will go pick up the kids and Roseanne and then bring them back down into town. And then that's when the afternoon programs start. My gosh, so wow! That's and kind what, of like my
1: schedule. What time do you usually go to sleep if you're getting up at four twenty-three?
0: So the good thing, the good thing about Costa Rica is that the sun rises and sets at the same time every day. Yeah. So it usually goes up around 6 a.m. every day and usually is down by 6 p.m. It's super early in
1: Costa Rica. Rica. Like, that's what I realized. Yeah. Yeah, And it's
0: fast. Like, it's almost like, you know, you'd be playing volleyball on the beach or I'd be coaching on the beach and then six o'clock rolls around. It's like somebody flips a light switch and then (laughs) it's like dark all of a sudden. Mm. So the good thing with that is that we're usually (laughs) – (laughs) Rosanna and I, we're usually in bed by like eight o'clock. Like sometimes eight o'clock is late. God.
1: What time do your kids go to sleep?
0: They're in their rooms around the same time.
1: Like eight o'clock? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you don't we'll need any time dinner. to, to chill out or anything like that. And cause well, I know we like. We have our own yeah.
0: kind of chill out time. And if it's a Friday, we have, um, we have like a little family room and we'll sometimes watch a movie mm. on, on like a weekend. But for the most part, you know, and we don't mind kids having devices in their rooms cause we don't have internet. So they can't connect online anyway. So what they're doing is they're either listening to audiobooks or listening to a podcast or they're, you know, m- they might be watching a Netflix show that they downloaded.
1: You're giving but... me ideas right now. Like, uh, <laughs> like I'm, th- I'm thinking like hey eight o'clock comes, we just turn off the internet and we end up just uh, doing well, like not family stuff, but, but just turn off the internet just so like when our daughter Koa gets older and, Whoever else we bring into this world, just to just to make sure that uh, you know, they're they're making use of their phones and not necessarily trying to, you know, get there on the internet and do all those sorts of crazy things late at night kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's been a godsend. Honestly, Dan. Like it's yeah. been great. Like we seven years we haven't had internet. Like <laughs> I run an online business and I don't have internet.
1: That hours. is trippy. You run an online business and you don't have internet. The, there's yep. gotta be something we got to create a product around that or something like <laughs> that like how to how to create a, a multi-six-figure business while not having internet <laughs> available yeah, yeah. to you
0: it's true yeah yeah uh,
1: all right let's yeah, let's so let's take this yeah. back to homeschooling a little bit because uh because sure. I, I i've heard some things about homeschooling um and people are like kids don't need like eight hours in school right like the traditional model is like Go to school at like eight, get out by three, or whatever it is, or go to school by nine, get out by three. And usually, actually, when you when we think about why school was made in the first place, it was first made by the church, and it was made by uh, it is actually promoted by the industrial uh, industrious because it actually prepared them for work. It actually prepared right. them for their workday
0: to to take direction.
1: Yes. So, what are the core? There are core differences between say homeschooling and traditional schooling, and what does like a day Of homeschooling look like Uh, i I, i'm guessing it varies depending on the grade and the age or whatever that you're teaching them but uh but what is what is the core differences
0: um our kids love to learn Hmm. there nothing's being shoved down down their throats and a lot of what we do is child driven so Hmm. sure they need to well i'll give you an example um frankie didn't start reading until she was nine years old okay she taught herself how to read. Okay. And we got a lot of flack from a lot of people because they said that she was behind and she taught herself how to read. And now she is the, the when, as soon as she taught herself how to read the fall that, the following year, she had read 120 different novels, Wow, 120, because she wanted to learn how to read. And so when I talk about mm. being a lot of it being child driven and child led my kids learn stuff that they want to learn things that are interested in them and interested to that interesting to them. Right. And so sure. Like, even if you, if you look at something like a simple, something as simple as painting a room, well, Mm -hmm. there's color theory involved with that there's geometry because you have to determine, you know, how much paint you need. So in everyday life you can extract different lessons where kids can, can learn from that. We're not, um, and like I said, my my wife is the genius behind all of this. But mm-hmm. we're not; we don't subscribe to any particular curriculum. Where you know, homeschooling isn't the way we do things. It's not school at home. Yeah. Like homeschooling
1: for it's us not like is math, like, geography, blah blah blah. You have to go to this class or that class. It's it's really just driven by the curiosity of your own kids is what I'm is what I'm getting it, from you right now.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So you know everybody needs to know how to add and how to subtract and how to do basic arithmetic but as far as like the numb the numbingness of (laughs) of needing to memorize facts and stuff like that like we have it's a different time now we have google Mm. and so i think one of the biggest lessons that we try to teach our kids is that they need to learn how to learn and they need to learn their own particular learning style and how they acquire information assimilate it and be able to apply it to everyday life. And the best way for them to do that is to learn things that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. And so once we have the basic fundamentals down, and again, it's like all of our kids reading was never shoved down the throats of our kids. You know, um, the, like even Q and Mikey, they, the, both of them, they, they taught each other or they, they taught themselves how to read as well. And a lot of it was, you know, that the the positive peer pressure in terms of feeling left behind, right? Mm. Um, and the other thing is is like Roseanne and I are readers, like we're always reading a book and we're always doing that, and so I think kids will emulate and and they'll they'll mirror the things that they see at home, and so Roseanne and I are you know we're like I I said before like we we meditate, we're big meditators, our kids meditate, we didn't tell them to do it, it's just something that they do now because they see us do it. We're you know Roseanne and I really like to read and and like read books and so the kids always saw us reading and we would read to them at night and now they enjoy reading you know we're we're big into a lot of the productivity stuff and, and reading nonfiction. and so the kids they like to do that as well so a lot we write you know they'll, they'll always see us like writing in our journals or like i do a lot of writing on the computer and stuff like that and so they they like to do the same and they'll ask questions and then we kind of lead them along that direction and stuff like that. Roseanne is a big artist and like Mm. half of our kids are, you know, so into art and creativity and doing that kind of stuff. So I think a lot of when it comes to learning, a lot of it is based off of what they see and what they see us doing in our interests as well. And I I think it comes back to like just that living in integrity. thing.
1: Yeah. And I feel like you guys, well, first of all, you guys are like setting the example. Uh, Your kids will not be into these things unless like, you were into these things uh you can't just shove this down the throats they they do what they see um you guys are like the examples of like how to live life and one of the things that i'm getting from you is that you guys uh actually cultivate this uh curiosity and this this want to learn by letting them learn about the things that they are curious about in the first place so so it's not necessarily about like having this curriculum but it's about pushing them towards the things that they're already have this kind of like inkling of curiosity about and, and, and of course you got to teach them like the basic things, like how to, you know, how to add, maybe like how to do your taxes. Although Costa Rica, you don't really have to do your taxes there. Cause I like <laughs> don't, don't say anything. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> knock on wood. Knock on wood. You know, what? I was going to move to Costa Rica. Um, I think I told you this before. Uh, and because of the whole, like 0% taxing, what was going on with like the COVID restrictions and all that kind of stuff. I, I decided not to. Uh, but, but in general, like, uh, it, it does have a very tasty tax structure, especially if you make foreign income. But, uh, other than that, what I'm getting from you is like, okay, so push them through curiosities. So how long is a typical homeschool day and what kind of things like, uh, what exactly does that look like for someone who's never seen it before?
0: I think there's no real set day or time. It's like we have different projects that we get them to do and then they kind of manage their time. And mm. you know, it's a it's a consistent well, reminder. Have you done this? Have you done that? Like or, what
1: projects are we talking about?
0: Um a lot of it is creative based. I mean, they all have to memorize their times tables. And mm-hmm. so we're big on that. And we'll do we'll we'll make fun games as far as like math is concerned. Like do like flashcards or you know, we sometimes we get them to do some worksheets. Like the, with the math stuff, a lot of it is rote, rote learning as far as like arithmetic is concerned and all mm. of that. Um, we use Khan Academy a lot. And mm. so, but when it comes to like the creative aspect of things, being able to create things and by creative, I don't just mean like art. I mean, like writing, I mean, um, you know, different projects where they have to problem solve and stuff like that. It's, it's it's all project based. And so one of the things is like, you know, you, you assign an assignment or something to do like an essay or a deep dive into a project or something or like a, an independent study project and we give a deadline. And so what that does is that teaches them how to balance their work and how to adhere to deadlines mm. and to follow through. And so we'll check in on them every now and then. How's it going with this? Have you written this part? You know, I haven't gotten your rough draft for you know, this particular piece that you, you need to have done. And so we'll be there to remind them and stuff like that. Uh, but as far as sticking to deadlines are concerned, like that, that's kind of how, how it works.
1: That's a huge one. Uh, I, think you're thi- I think you're teaching like three things at once, uh, which is one, uh, you know, setting an outcome, which is like whatever the goal is, um, you know, whatever, whether it's like to create the essay, uh, to do the outcome by a particular deadline and also time management. And I would add in there probably planning to a certain degree on how yep. to get that outcome done all at the same time. Um, and are these projects, uh, pushed by the curiosity of your kids? Are they the ones like, Hey, I want to learn about this. Or so you're like, okay, well, you know, here's, here's a resource. I want you to make an essay about this kind of thing.
0: Well, so what Roseanne does is she does learning blocks. And so mm-hmm. one of the big blocks that she does, I know this because she's going through it right now is, um, uh, Greek mythology and ancient mm-hmm. Greece and so when you do a learning block on ancient Greece uh, that can involve anything from like math to researching you know his favorite god and or what would a typical day look like in terms of like this Greek god or this philosopher like th- that kind of stuff and so you can go you can really deep dive into what that would look like. And Mm -hmm. like I said before, like there are so many lessons that can be extracted from just learning about one particular individual, like Epictetus or Mm. um, Marcus Aurelius or Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. Um, Or even Zeus or, you know, and then um, from there, uh, because they're in a, in a Greek block, there's an author, there's a, there's a, a young adult author by the name of Rick Riordan. And he, he does a lot of, um, stuff on ancient Greece, but, like, with um, with a modern twist to it and reading mm. stories about that. So, you know, Q's reading one of his novels right now and comparing that to, they'll do, like, a lot of comparative essays, compare Zeus in this model to what Zeus would be like, you know, way back when. Like, it, it's fun stuff. It's stuff like that, oh, yeah. stuff that will spark their curiosity. So sometimes what happens is, like, Roseanne will give a framework of, okay, we're going to be doing, focusing on, ancient Greece or ancient Rome or whatever. And we'll devise lessons based on that particular block. So it's not like, Mm. you know, today, what do you want to learn today? We're going to look, okay, well, I want to figure out how, uh, you know, I want to learn about butterflies today or whatever. (laughs) There's some structure to it, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So she does stuff in blocks and a lot of it is like through the classics, ancient Greece, ancient Rome, uh, a lot of linguistic stuff.
1: So, yo Q's gonna learn about stoicism at like 12 years old he's gonna be like (laughs) he already is (laughs) so dope (laughs) they all did yeah Yeah. dude that is so I find that so cool and and I'm guessing like he was the ones like I like I kind of like like this whole greek mythology thing so so I would like to learn more about it and then the parent guides or the parent designs the framework or the guide to kind of like push them towards like okay well if you want to learn about this let's let's actually like Let's actually learn about it. And I'll give you the framework in which to learn about it. And let's deep dive into this because you're so curious about it in the first place. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it, like I've noticed like a lot, they do a lot of comparative stuff, you mm-hmm. know, or what they'll do is they'll read a novel and compare a character to a novel to like a Greek God or a similar character in, in another story. Like a lot of it is story driven as well. I mean, because okay. that's how we used to that's how we used to tr- relay information was yeah. through storytelling.
1: Well, okay. So, you know, AJ, uh, she went to you know school in, uh, Barcelona and the, so here's, here's something that is a little bit of a blank for me. So you have this curiosity driven curriculum where your kids are learning about the things that they want to learn about. How does your oldest AJ and, um, how does how does she get into university like is there a test that she has to do is there like a uh, like because she didn't necessarily have like a, a high school diploma to show him to say like hey like you know i'm i'm vetted kind of thing so so how exactly does say if if one does want to uh go into secondary education or post secondary w- w- like how do they get in there if they don't have say like a high school diploma
0: well there's a few different routes um the one thing that like so post-secondary education is not required for any of our kids at all yeah if they have an interest in pursuing something like pursuing a deeper subject then they have the freedom to do so but it's up to them to determine how they go about doing that so when when aj went to the went to barcelona um we i didn't do much at all she called the dean she said i'm interested in this program uh it was like an art history architecture program or something and, um, the Dean invited her for an interview and they went for an interview and, and they, they accepted her into the program. I mean, that was, wow, that was pretty much it. She was like, I'm homeschooled. I'm homeschooled. Um, I don't have a high school diploma. And what, what AJ did though, was she did take some online courses that interested her, that gave her some university credits. She did mm-hmm. that when she was like 16 or 17, only because uh, out of interest. And from there, I think some of those credits carried over and they recognized some of those credits and they said that, OK, well, since you have a university background already, like we'll let you into the program. But that's the only the only time where I think where I know that it would be a, a bit of an issue and that we would steer our kids towards doing like a, like a GED would be if they wanted to do something that required that required like, like a professional like,
1: education like a professional like if you want to be thing.
0: exactly like if, if like Mikey's talking about wanting to be a doctor right now, and mm. so she would have to you know do what it takes to, to have to go to university to be able to get you know the obviously the the, the requisite um, education for that, um, but I mean Athabas have you heard of Athabasca University?
1: I've heard of Athab is it Athabasca University? Yeah. Is what it was I'm, I've heard about it, but I don't know what it is.
0: So it's like it, it's like an online university that offers you courses like anything that you want to learn under the sun, and that uh. counts towards um, university credit. So Frankie, who's she just turned seventeen, she just started doing some courses on there, like stuff that would stuff that's interesting to her. Um, and then Joey had done two courses throughout the basket now, and ha- already has a couple of university credits, but she was she, for what she wants to do. Like she wants to get into architecture and design mm. and, um, like, uh, like the design route and to be able to go to some of these design schools, like she's looking at one in the UK right now, you don't need a high school diploma to be able to do that. Mm. Um, it's, it's the, it's a professional design school. So, okay. It's not necessary for her. She's, she's one of those creatives. Frankie, on the other hand, um, I think she wants to go into academia. Like She is the voracious learner. Like she really wants to learn um, and go deep into like the classics and English and literature and that kind. Of, she's really into that. So she might be the one to go into university, but she's got to find her way to do that. And truth be told, a lot of universities don't even require high school diplomas if you apply as a mature student when you're 21. So oh, wow. if that's the route that you want to take... I mean, you can do that. And then a lot, I, I've spoken to a lot of administration and admissions in universities, and a lot of them a lot a certain percentage of admissions every year for homeschoolers. Yeah. Wow. So there's always an option there.
1: There's but always a way. It's up yeah. to our.
0: It's up to our kids. Mm. And I'm not saying that this is what everybody should do, but it's up to our kids to determine what it is that they want to learn and do the research for what it what it takes. Mm. Including the finances to be able to do that, uh, so we okay, helped. So, it, yeah, yeah, we helped AJ out to go to Barcelona somewhat, but yeah. the majority of it was her. It was driven by her. She saved up like a like a crap ton of money and and was able to pay for the majority of that program and her living expenses and her like her her housing and all of that. Obviously, when we saw that, we we put a helping hand in and we helped her. But a lot of it was the majority of it was driven by her
1: and that's a learning in and of itself man it's like hey if you want to do this thing then you know get the requisite resources nothing's going to be handed to you it's almost like uh, it's almost like she gets her like first taste of of real life a little bit to, to yeah. A, to well, a it's, like the, it's like the
0: coaching programs that you and I run, Dan. Like yeah. You, you got to pay to play. You got to have skin yeah. in the game because when you have skin in the game, you're more likely to do the work and to actually put forth an effort and yeah. what it is. And it's the same type of connection when it comes to going, going to school and, and learning.
1: Incredible. Um, I was very much uh, in awe of you as a parent before, but now that after we're having this conversation, I'm just like... I'm just like, damn, like, uh, I'm, I'm learning a lot. Let's just say that I'm learning <laughs> a fuck ton at this very moment. Uh, what would you say is three of the best, uh, parenting principles that have with the test of time for yourself? Now I know one of them is, uh, to live within integrity, which is to follow mm-hmm. through. Uh, yeah. are there some others that come to mind for you?
0: Um, yeah. So say, do the integrity thing, like follow through. Well, I think that's all encompassed with one thing. You have to follow through as a parent, like you have to give consequences and you have to follow through what those consequences are. Um, again. And like we said earlier in the conversation, because I think that that subconsciously builds trust between you, like they feel like what you were saying, they feel secure with you. So that would be the first thing. Um, the second thing is, and I said this earlier in the conversation too. No is a complete answer. Hmm. I don't need to give you a reason why I'm saying no, no is no, like, that's it. And the third thing I would say is, um, you like, they do what they see. So Hmm. if you want your kids to be a certain way, you have to live that you have to live that example. And I think it comes back to trust because if you tell them to do one thing, but then you yourself are doing something different. Um, there, there's no trust there. And how are they going to be able to do that? If you don't know how to do it yourself, like our job as parents, I think is to guide them through life. And in order for us to guide them through it, a lot of the times we have to do that self work to be able to make us make ourselves better people. Mm -hmm. And when we put that work in, I think, um, I think they, in turn, that gives them permission to be able to do that for themselves. Do you so feel like I, that I was like being watch. the
1: example and, and doing all these things like uh, journaling and having these like amazing habits? Was that like natural to you? Was that inherent, or did you do these and incorporate these because you were you were like, okay, well, our kids are watching, so we got to show them what a good life consists of?
0: No, absolutely not. Right. I uh, I did it for me. Mm. I did it because I wanted to, like, I, I'm still a student. I'm 45 years old now and I'm still always learning and I'm still always trying to optimize and find a better way and try to better myself. Um, so when I got into those things, uh, when I got into meditation and I've been, I remember I've been meditating since like the kids were in kindergarten.
1: You sent me, uh, as a gift, the meditation, the kneeling meditation thing. I remember this. Yes.
0: Yeah. The, the bench. Yeah, yes. that I still have mine. Mm. Uh, I still use it. It's one of my prized possessions. Um, but yeah, like I, I started meditating because I had read that it would be beneficial to me to help me with my mindset. And so I started meditating. I started journaling for the exact same reason. Every, I, I put in the work and then I think my kids see us put in the work and that they, therefore they, they put in the work themselves. It just becomes regular, like working out, exercise. I've been doing that every day or almost every day since I was 14 years old and it's just part of my life. And now I can see my kids and without me having to tell them anything, they go and do their own stuff and they ask me to write them programs and and do all that stuff because it's just regular. Like it's just, that's it's just what we do. Like it's not even like adopting a habit. It's just like it's what it's it's ingrained it's mm-hmm. it's what we do so i think a lot of it is really being the person that you want your kids to grow up to be
1: and you want and um, the person that you want to be in the end right yeah it's like yeah the, yeah the idealized version of yourself uh you know regardless of your kids it's like the idealized version of of who you want to be and you know when i when i think about everything that you're telling me it's like you know a lot of deep reflection a lot of learning. Um, a lot of like family time and, yeah. uh, and obviously industriousness, but to a certain degree, uh, nothing to the point where it's actually taking time away from your family. Like from, if I'm hearing correctly, like you're done work at like one and, yeah. 30 and you spend the rest yeah. of your time with your family.
0: But my work is like this. I get to yeah. chat with my good friend online <laughs> and like, this is, this is work for me and it's great. Um,
1: yeah. I, I kind of see it as like, we've set up our lives in a way where we knew what we wanted to do from a family perspective, and then we created businesses around those things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome.
1: Okay. So I have, okay, so end this off. I actually have some uh, rapid fire questions for you. Um, And, and the way we do this is, is just like, basically just answer it and then give like one or two uh, sentences as to the reason for what, uh, what your answer is. All right. So, all right. Uh, what is the one thing that you love most about your wife, Roz? Um, Oh, Jesus! One thing? Yeah, just one thing. Uh, What's the first thing that comes to mind? Oh,
0: I think she's beautiful. Yeah. Um, But, but, uh, her mind. Yeah. Um, When we first met, you know, uh, I mean, we we were high school sweethearts, but she was just different. She was smart and she could really hold a conversation and, when we were younger, like I met a bunch of chicken head girls. I couldn't hold a conversation, <laughs> but she was different. She was different. Yeah. She, she could really hold a conversation. We could get into deep conversation. So uh, I, I fell in love with her mind.
1: Yeah. 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 And she's a powerful woman. Um, she is. Meeting her is just, she's powerful. She's, uh, she's everything that you guys uh, emulate uh, yeah. in yourselves and your children. No, Who is no, your favorite a, child?
0: Oh, you can't ask me <laughs> I got five, and Your answer's easy. You yeah. got cold, huh? There's uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, okay. Well, yeah. we'll skip that one. It
0: depends
1: okay, on the day. Okay, there you go. This is on public record, so don't want this. <laughs> don't want your kids seeing this one day. Uh, who do you feel is the best volleyball player on the planet other than yourself?
0: Um, I don't think I'm the best. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I don't... I don't know necessarily if they are the best but because I know her dad, um Melissa Humana Paredes. Huh. So her she's a Canadian volleyball player. She won the 2019 beach volleyball championship with her partner Sarah. I know her like she's we're friends. I know her personally. I just I love the way she plays the game and I love that um she like they call her the smiling assassin <laughs> because she's always smiling. And so she and she's a beautiful person um her, her dad was my coach when I was growing up. And so I, and I adore him. I actually just ran into them. And she's also, so my daughter, Mikey, who's the big volleyball player in the family now, uh, that's her favorite player. So Mikey got to meet her like last week for the first time. So, uh, I, I, I really like the way Melissa plays the game.
1: We gotta get Mikey to uh to set for us at our beach volleyball games. Yeah, she's
0: got some good hands. Ooh. Like she's she she's got some good hands.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. So for anyone listening, we had uh we actually had a championship beach volleyball team. Um it was sixes, but it was still a championship. Beer league. Bear, yeah. <laughs> and uh and AJ, which is uh which is Chris's oldest, was our setter. And her oh, yeah, the hands were just immaculate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, best part about living in Costa Rica?
0: The simplicity. Hmm. Um, yeah, we have no bills. So we live completely off grid. Yeah. We built off shipping containers and we have solar power and rain catchment. We don't have internet yet. So <laughs> we don't have any bills, any monthly bills to pay. Amazing. Uh, yeah, our car is, we, we bought our car on cash. And yeah, so that's I, that's what I would say is the best thing about Costa Rica.
1: What's the worst part about living in Costa Rica? The archaic banking system, I still have
0: to go to the bank if I do want to pay for stuff. Like, I don't, I can't pay for stuff online. Like, I still have to go to the bank, line up, and pay into somebody's account.
1: Is this San you have to go to San Jose or just, like, your your normal bank? bank? No, 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 it's the okay. local bank okay. in Puerto Rico, okay.
0: like, where we are. But still, like, it's, it's a bit annoying. Um, yeah, but... Gotcha. That's, that's okay. probably one of the most annoying things.
1: Yeah. Uh, the lack of ATMs. I was living in Nosara for about like eight months. And then you literally you have to drive to the bank. You have to wait in line with everyone else. Yep. And just, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely not modern. Uh, you would think that Costa Rica would be modern with all the like tourist, you know, stuff going on in there, but hasn't gotten there yet. Um no. Okay. What's the most exciting thing that you're working on right now?
0: Um, I love chrislopez.io. So nice. I'm excited about it because I'm taking all of the AlphaDab project stuff and all the kettlebell workout stuff and I'm putting it into one unified brand with a bunch of old articles and and I'm uh, updating articles and stuff like that. And I'm really excited about that now. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's probably the most exciting thing that I'm doing. Right now. What exactly? that and I'm, I'm,
1: yeah sorry i was Go gonna ahead. ask like what are you trying to do with chris lopez i uh chris lopez right now
0: i'm just trying to simplify things like yeah. i used to write a lot about parenting and about fatherhood and men's stuff on alpha Dad, and then i yeah. would write about the kettlebell stuff and the workout stuff and i'm just i just want one spot where i can put everything now and then from there i can use that as a hub
1: yeah so. I, I i do think that uh a voice like yours is definitely needed uh from the aspect of The trifecta that I would call it It would be like, uh, it'd be like health, uh, parenting Mm -hmm. relationships and, uh, career online business and, and all these three things together. I, I I do feel like there needs to be a voice like yours, uh, within this realm of things because, because these are all just like important, uh, things that are just important now, and they're going to be important a decade from now. So, so definitely I, I, I'm down with that. I'm down with your mission. Um Thanks, man. yeah you're welcome. Uh okay so where can people find you then?
0: Um go to chrislopez.io sign right. up for my I, I do all of my communication through email. I'm old school like that. Yeah. Um I uh I love my email list. I nurture a relationship with my email list. I will never overtly sell you anything and I try to provide as much value as I possibly can with every communication that I make. So if you go to chrislopez.io and then just sign up for the newsletter there uh, and and you'll hear about everything from health to fitness to nutrition to optimizing testosterone to living off grid to old school hip-hop to my favorite <laughs> coffee shops in toronto or wherever i go to travel like that's uh, travel hacks um yeah i write about everything anything and everything the the sun.
1: dope chris Io. we're gonna have that in the show notes so Chris man, um very grateful for our, our relationship, our friendship. you know I appreciate you as uh, as a person and as a friend and uh very grateful to to be doing this with you. Uh, you know again, I was gonna just get you on a call to ask about parenting advice because you were like the first person that comes to mind, and Thanks, I'm man. so glad we turned this into like a podcast so everyone can kind of like hear where I'm coming from and and kind of like your perspective on parenting which I which I feel we need in in the day and age like this more so now than ever before. So
0: Well, I'm thanks. glad um on, like for you Dan on a personal level. Like I'm really glad that we managed to stay in touch. Like it's yeah. it's been a while, but I mean, this was a perfect example when you reached out on WhatsApp and we hadn't spoken to each other in maybe two years or whatever. And we just picked up like we were bros, like yeah. nothing like, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. to me, that's always a sign of like a, a really good friend yeah. is, you know, you can you can pick up the phone anytime and we just pick things up like where we left off. So appreciate you, man. Thank uh, you. for Thank
1: you. We got to get a, We got to get a beach volleyball game going on with all these uh, with all these dads around us yeah <laughs> yeah so we'll, we'll figure hey man that out.
0: i'm so i'm in toronto right now yeah. and i am there almost every day like okay. mikey is playing every weekend and like
1: are you playing as well
0: am i yeah uh i can but okay. i haven't uh yeah but i'll play let's, i mean if we have a game i'll play
1: let's talk after this podcast i gotta get back out there and, and get some uh beach volleyball sun on my body so yeah. you got it all right brother yeah. i appreciate you thank you appreciate you man thank you Thank you again for listening to The Dango Show. We have some amazing episodes coming your way. So make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. If you're already subscribed and today's episode hit home for you, please share this episode with some that you know would benefit from listening. Take care and see you every week on your favorite podcasting app.